we've basically figured out a way between us and our teams, the way that developers should be writing software. And that's really, you know, the ethos that we've, you know, kind of ingrained in our team. So I know that it's tough and there's, you know, some random ML engineer at some big company that's like, man, I want to go start a startup and do something. But like open source is, is a great way to get started, like build your expertise up and then, you know, take those ideas and try to commercialize them. Hey, this is Brian and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a biweekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Devaris Brown and Ali Hamidi, uh, both from Araxa. So, Devaris, why don't you introduce yourself first, uh, and then we'll hear from Ali. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Devaris Brown, CEO and co-founder of Maroxa. Hi, uh, Ali Hamidi. I'm the uh, CTO and the other co-founder at Maroxa. Thanks for having us, B. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, I've been hearing about Maroxa so much. Uh, y'all open sourced some stuff pretty recently, actually, as well. Uh, so that's been in my feed, hearing about Maroxa from like VCs as well, uh, which we don't have to get into that, how I'm talking to VCs right now. But I guess we can start like, what is Maroxa? Like, what's, what are y'all working on? Yeah, we are a real time data platform that allows people to solve problems with real time data very easily. Um, and so our whole stick is uh, we believe that the world will be real time by default in the future. Uh, and they should not care about the infrastructure, but yet they should care about bringing customer value in real time. And so we are, uh, yeah, just building a platform that allows them to build data products faster with real-time data. Excellent. So, Ali, I'm curious, is this something that y'all were working together on? Like, how did, how did you get involved? Not necessarily uh, this, this sort of space, but yeah, previously, uh, both Devaris and I were working at Heroku. Uh, I was uh, a lead engineer on the Heroku data team, uh, mainly focused on the Kafka and Cassandra offerings. And so really working around um, sort of large-scale streaming uh, data. And yeah, uh, Devaris and I were partnered uh, fairly frequently on, on these uh, customer success uh, summits or meetings where we'd, we'd get to talk to customers and kind of learn about uh, issues that they were facing and, and sort of problems that they, they wanted us to help them solve. And so Heroku and, and many other companies provide really good uh, managed data services. So you know it's, it's trivial to get... A, a database or a Kafka hosted and managed for you, and it's sort of hands-free uh, operations. But we kept hearing about sort of the similar or really common theme was running the infrastructure is, is handled, but the sort of the data integration part is missing. What's the experience beyond that? Um, how do we get data from you know Postgres to Kafka, from Kafka to Snowflake, or or any of these permutations? Um, that tooling was was really the, the missing piece. And so you know we 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 dug into the problem space a bit more. And really, what you find is sort of real time specifically is is really poorly served. Um, the tooling kind of sucks. Uh, the experience is is pretty awful, and you know no one really addressed it uh, that well. And so that was kind of the the opportunity for us is all right. You know, if we were to build something that really solves this problem well, what, what would that look like? Awesome. Yeah. And Tavares, you had mentioned uh, real time data is going to be real time. It doesn't matter like infrastructure, and that's what you're trying to solve for customers. So. Uh, can you expand on that? Like, what what do we talk about? Real time data. Are we like, who who needs real time data? Like, what are some examples that people should be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, everybody needs real time data, right? Because you <laughs> want to 
provide your your customers the most contextual, relevant experience in the moment that they need it. Right. So, you know, I've talked about like a weekend in Vegas before. You know, it was like, you know, you get there on the Friday and you leave on the Sunday. But because of all of the like hospitality management systems not being able to get hooked up, they don't have any visibility into like when their most uh, valued VIP customers are checking in or doing activities, right? Until well after they left. And so, you know, they're losing revenue because just simply that their data can't get processed fast enough, right? You think about, uh, you know, people that are in finance, uh, looking at leading indicators and things like that, right? Like, you know, I always uh, remember uh, watching Billions and looking at Bobby Axelrod reading the news and then, you know, trying to make a trade based off of something that he saw that happened in New Zealand and like all this other stuff, right? And it's like, you need that that data to help you make the most informed decision in the moment that you, that you need it in. You know, you think about uh, a large fintech company that, you know, you know, we go on vacation, we swipe our card once and it works and then you swipe it again and it doesn't. That's because they're updating their fraud detection models and it takes two to three hours to do so. Right. And so if you can basically look at anomalies in real time, that's one of the things that um, essentially, you know, real time data can help you, you know, start building and rebuilding those models in real time. Uh, so, you know, there's so many of these use cases that are out there that can benefit from real time. But the, the biggest distinction for me is to, to not conflate event-driven and real-time data like so many other people do, right? They, they think that because the, that the event happens, you have to act on it in a minute. And what we're saying is, is that, no, you can just capture the data in real time. You can decide what to do with it in the minute, or you can just you know put it into a static place where you can do analysis later. And I think that that's something that you know we need to have better tooling, better frameworks, better rails to help people get that stuff. And I think, I mean, I actually, I know that's really why we started Maroxa uh, is, is to usher in that new world of experiences, right? Like, you know, there's so many things that we could be doing today that, that, that we need data in the moment that, man, I can even give you a, a real simple example is that if I'm in an e-commerce website and I want to do figure out, all right, well, what's the time that it takes people to add something to the cart and, and check out. Well, that's that's a real easy thing to do when you have the granularity of, you know, kind of like this event that this real time event that happens uh, inside of your database. And so, there's any number of, of solutions that you can build based around or intelligence you can glean from that, including building your own like you know cart retention software, right? Or or you know cart abandonment software. I mean, that's something that you know. There's a ton of you know, companies and vendors that are doing that today, but, you know, it's, it's literally like five lines of code, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you have that data available to you. So, you know, those are the things where it's just like, we just feel that there's going to be a whole new set of experiences that are, that are going to get built because now real-time data is the default. We don't necessarily have to just depend on, you know, this database just just tracking this thing and, you know, capturing a snapshot at a, at a time. Now we can see all the events that led up to that snapshot and like who knows what, what's going to happen next. And that's really what we're banking on. Yeah, that's it. You started the, the, the explanation with like stock trades. And I know from like folks who did stock trading in, in Chicago, which I, are you, you're originally from Chicago, right? Yeah, 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 man. All the jump trading folks and renaissance yeah. technologies and all those cats. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a race to the commodities trade. Actually, they ran a cable from Chicago to New York. So that way, whoever had the results as fast as possible had the competitive edge. 
Because like as we saw with like folks like Robinhood when they had issues like last year, it's like who can have the deal go through quicker is who's going to win, uh, and in milliseconds matter. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued by the the product and intrigued by uh, what you're offering is. So I, I guess my ask is like. Or my question, rather, is like customers. So, like, I have a Postgres database with tons of for the product I'm working on is tons of GitHub data, and uh, my goal is to provide insights for for maintainers and product owners and OSPOs to identify what's happening in their, in their product. And the challenge is, you, most GitHub services or data services are you get 24 hours, and mm-hmm. mainly because everything's built on a GitHub archive. So I guess like how would I approach leveraging Marox? I know you have a, a couple different products and open source projects as well, but how do I how would I approach it as a a developer who has data? Yeah, uh, I guess we can start with with sort of the the Maroxa platform. Uh, you know, proper this is our our commercial offering, and essentially what we we focus on is really giving sort of direct access to your data, so your Postgres data through um, CDC, so Change Data Capture. Um, essentially, the platform makes it uh, really, really easy to point the platform at your database, and we'll set up a, uh, a CDC stream that will just push all of the changes into the platform. Um, from there, you can actually deploy any kind of custom logic you want and have it triggered based on changes. And so, I, I don't know, obviously, the details of, of what your, your product is, but um, I'm imagining something like something happens on a, a GitHub repo, that change ends up in your database somehow, that will get filtered into the the Maroxa platform, um, and you can write some custom logic to say, all right, you know, if I see, you know, one of these events, transform it in this particular way, you know, enrich it with some other additional data, maybe hit the GitHub API, get some richer information, do whatever you want, really, and then you know, pass that down the the pipeline and and do something else with it. So maybe you're you're posting that to another uh, web API, maybe you're writing it to uh, another database, maybe you're writing it back to the original database. You can essentially do anything you like, uh, but the key is we we make CDC uh, access really really trivial. Basically, um, you just tell us about your database and we figure out how to do it, and then you can sort of deploy arbitrary code and have it act on your, your data in, in real time. That's really sort of the, the the core offering of what we're building. Recently, we launched Turbine, which is our um, sort of code first interface for for building these uh, data apps and data products. And so that's what you'd be using. You'd write a, a Turbine app. That says whenever I see this type of thing in my in my data, manipulate it in this particular way, or enrich it, or do whatever you need, and then pass it down the line. Excellent. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, that's genius. I mean, it sounds genius to me because this is not the infrastructure world. I don't spend a lot of time in, and I always look for tools like this that I can just sort of pick off the shelf. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, to be honest, like I didn't choose the front end developer life. I was sort of it was chosen for me at my last <laughs> job. So, like, this stop writing Go code, started writing JavaScript. Uh, so I spent less and less time working on the problems you're working on. So yeah. I, I love benefiting from solve problems, solutions, things that I can sort of just install into my project or this point through API endpoints. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm just gonna say it. I'm, I'm kind of sold right now. I mean, that's good, man. <laughs> but I, I want to hear more about the product, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's the whole point, right? Is like you as a developer shouldn't have to worry about all of that infrastructure. I mean. To your point about standing on the shoulders of giants, that's what we do, right? Like, like the infrastructure that we use is all open source components, and you know we just figured out, you know, the the best way to stitch these things together, and then we put our secret sauce of automation and optimization on top of that, right? And so, 
you know, for us, it's really about like when you connect to something, when you start streaming it, when you transform, when you distribute, like all of that type of stuff. Notice we didn't say anything about like, oh, man, you got to learn about, you know, this random ingestion tool, you know, learn the intricacies of Kafka, learn the intricacies of Spark to do stream processing, learn the intricacies of like all these other tools. It's just like, nah, man, if you got an idea, just point Maroxa at the at the data source. We figure out how to get data out of it. And now you have this consistent data model for you to go interact with that you can just, you know, transform, augment, enrich, you know, uh, uh, mask, whatever it is that you want to do with this stream and then distribute it wherever it is that you want to. But you as a front-end engineer don't have to worry about the intricacies of the the configuration and the infrastructure. And that's really what what we want to do is democratize that access. And, and the cool part about it is because it's all open source, we give you the ability to, you know, configure uh, the infrastructure however it is that you need it. Once you get more and more, you know, complex, uh, you know, with your understanding. Yeah, that's that's wild too, as well, because the the open source element is also intriguing. Because I'm I'm a big open source fan, and I, I love the fact that I could also stand on the shoulder of giants in open source. They've solved problems. Companies have gifted us come down from their their large pedestals and gifted us an open source project to <laughs> sort of slice and dice to our will. Uh, so, like, how what's the distinction between like your enterprise offering and what people can do at open source? Like, so uh, in our case, sort of our, our main open source offering is is a tool called Conduit. Um, that's like the the main thing that we're we're really putting our weight behind. And Conduit itself is a, I guess, a, a lower level tool for data integration. And so, uh, Conduit's main focus is really taking data from a source and pushing it into a destination and doing it easily and efficiently and uh, in a portable way. And so it's sort of an alternative to tools like maybe Kafka Connect, where it's much more focused on, on just the pure data movement part. Um, the Maroxa platform as a whole is kind of a an abstraction on top of that. And so the Maroxa platform uses Conduit. Uh, and this is, you know, that's obviously the, the the benefit there is, you know, as Conduit, if Conduit succeeds, as it grows, as more people use it and build more connectors, then the Maroxa platform inherently benefits because now it has more connectors and more usage. So Conduit is really the, the main open source component. Beyond that, we we have a, a number of other things that we've you know contributed to in our open source as well as part of the, the platform itself. And so, yeah, there's like a number of components, but I, I think the, the really interesting part for us is, is Conduit itself. We made a very sort of early decision to make it open source, like from the get-go. We knew that it should be open source. Um, it's even split into its own GitHub uh, organization. Uh, we have a separate team that works on it. Okay. Really, we you know we approached it as here is a, a legitimate open source product, and we wanted to to really get the support of the community, and we want to sort of telegraph that yes, we're taking this seriously. We are treating it as a as an open source a proper open source project. You know, we have a public roadmap. We develop in the open. We're you know we accept PRs. We're really treating it like a, a proper open source project because I think that's what we need in order for it to be successful. It needs to be sort of embraced by the community, and and in order to do that, we need to be clear about. How we, we plan to work with the community and, and how we plan to support the community. That, that's interesting too, as well. If you have like a separate organization, like it's it's almost like the well, I don't know if there's a good comparison, but I think of like Kubernetes and GKE. Hmm. Like there is the open source product of it that most people know, but like if you're a large enterprise, you're probably reaching for GKE pretty quickly because uh, you don't want. To be involved, or like licensing's an issue, or and stuff like this. So, like, right. do you feel like you're you're going to move into like the same pattern where you have this ecosystem of open source contributors, community, perhaps events and collaboration, even with like even other companies, and then you have 
the the paid service, which is Maroxa. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think for us, really, Conduit scratches our own itch, uh, so we needed it <laughs> because uh, you know developing on Kafka Connect was was not the the most desirable experience. And the other piece of that too is is that you know really outside of uh, the the Confluent folks, uh, Kafka. There really wasn't a lot of other voices in the in the streaming data world, right? And you know, for us, it was kind of like if Confluent didn't do it, then nobody else would. You know, it took them what six years to to for somebody in the open source world to give Kafka a UI, right? Like that was something, or Kafka Connect to get a UI six years after the fact, and it was like. Yo, with Conduit, that was the first thing that we did because we were just like, yo, we're just tired of troubleshooting and not knowing where topics were going and like all this other stuff, right? Like, yeah. you know, the other thing that we ended up doing was like, it's it's a single Go binary. And so, you know, instead of the, what what is it like, the, the, the resource hog that's on the JVM, it's like 30 megabytes. And so for us... You know, Ali can explain it better, but you know, we we needed this. We needed to develop this in order for us to to realize our true vision for as a platform. And then we realized a community. You know, our our philosophy is like, look, man, we don't think that everybody should be paying an arm and a leg for automated copy paste, especially when you have to do so much to get copy paste going up, right? Like I got to set up Debezium, Kafka, Kafka Connect, Kubernetes, Docker, like all this stuff. Yeah, I can run a Docker Compose and get it all going. But like that Docker Compose is looking pretty gnarly at, at some point with all the dependencies and all this stuff. And it's like to troubleshoot that was a pain. And so think about like, yo, if I'm testing this in development or in staging and then I have to do this in production, I have two behemoth kind of infrastructures that I have to manage and maintain. And for us, it was like, nah, just, you know, brew install conduit, <laughs> right? And like, now you got a, a binary that's on your machine that, you know, we can simulate the traffic uh, uh, locally and like it works the same in production. And it's only 30 megabytes. It's written in Go. Transforms are written in JavaScript, right? Connectors can be written in pretty much anything because we have a plug-in interface, I mean, it's just so many different things that we do that we were just like very, very intentional about the the, the experience because we needed it. Um, and so we knew that from our experience that, you know, it was an itch that we needed to scratch. And then we've seen a whole, you know, a, a good number of people using it in the in the in the wild. So, yeah, Ali, do you want to talk about like our motivations for for building conduit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, sort of initially when we, we set out to build the, the platform, we focus pretty heavily on on Kafka and Kafka Connect. Uh, obviously, my experience at Heroku and, and Salesforce, you know, enabled me to kind of build that out. But we almost immediately realized that you know running Kafka Connect and Kafka at scale is not an easy thing. And Kafka Connect in particular, it has some fairly sharp sharp edges. And so, really, you know, we thought about if we want to do this, we want it to be successful. We want it to be sort of financially make sense for us. Kafka Connect is, is sort of the, the pathological worst case scenario for resource usage uh, for a managed service. And so like a big motivator for us is, all right, we want this to succeed and we want it to be you know, uh, financially feasible. So what do we do to fix this? And so you know, we set about looking at different technologies and, and fundamentally you know, what made sense for us was to build it in, in something that's a little bit more, uh, well, significantly more resource uh, efficient. And then you know, along the way, we, we collected all these sort of laundry list of, of issues that we'd faced uh, running Kafka and Kafka Connected Scale. And so we just set out to address them all, basically. 
so you know having a single binary, having uh, we actually relax the constraint on Kafka. So at a minimum, if you want to write a Kafka Connect connector, then you need Kafka Connect, Kafka itself, and Zookeeper. And so that's like three distributed systems in order to test a connector. And that doesn't even include the thing that you're connecting to. So if you want to do like Postgres, that's like four things that you're, you're deploying. And so in our case, you know, we relax that constraint, and so you just have conduit. And you can just use an internal sort of in-memory buffer just to connect to your source and destination. Super useful for testing, development. It's, it's you know, pretty straightforward. And then you, know, you want to write connectors. Kafka connector is limited to basically writing it in Java, which is great if you love Java, but if you don't, then you're kind of stuck. So in our case, you know, we, we made the decision to make that a little bit more flexible. So building on top of um, HashiCorp's uh, Go plugin mechanism, so essentially you can write a plugin in any language. And as long as you implement that interface, you can connect it. And so a side effect of that, which is, is pretty awesome for us, is that we have a Kafka Connect connector wrapper. And so essentially, you know, if you already use Kafka Connect, you can bring those connectors with you, drop them into the wrapper, and use them with Conduit. And so we have like a nice migration path. And now you can remove the constraint of, of Kafka, use Conduit, you know, benefit from all the other you know, changes and improvements that we made to, to Conduit, um, but kind of protect your investment in, in the actual connector ecosystem. Um, and so, yeah, we, we basically set out to address all of these, these pain points for us. Excellent. Yeah, I love it. I, I love the story. I love what you're all working on. I also totally understand why so many people have reached out to me and said, <laughs> I need to talk to the Maroxa team uh, <laughs> about what I'm working on. Because uh, like we, I can get it, get into it on the picks, um, to be honest. But yeah, I, I guess my, now my question is, like, uh, y'all been around for a couple of years in Maroxa, right? Yeah, man, almost three years. It's crazy. It is amazing. So did you get you guys started right before the pandemic then? Literally right before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how is how is uh, sort of growing the team been during the past couple of years? I mean, you know, knock on wood, the pandemic really hasn't affected us because we've been remote first. You know, we set out to build a an extremely diverse team from from jump. Uh, and so for us, it's like, yo, we'll just go find the dopest engineer wherever they may be. I used to say, like, yo, we want the illest dude in Iowa until we found the illest dude in Iowa from a, <laughs> nice. from, a from a DM on the uh, from a Twitter DM, man. Like, like, you know, and and like that's the type of stuff that we wanted to do is is just really democratize access to, to to opportunity. And I think that that's what we've done, and we have one of the the most skilled, diverse teams that's out there, right? Like. You know, you look at this call. I don't know how many founders that look like us. You know that that, that you've had on this as, as technical founders, but you explode that out to the rest of the team. And like we're sixty percent black and brown. We're over fifty percent women. The exec team is over eighty percent underrepresented. Like you know, we're just building. You know, a great culture. We're building a, a great product, and we're building a great business. So, and 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 doing so in a way that that embraces the community and you know makes people feel welcome. And I think that that's something that, you know, that that has given us the ability to be able to to, to, to do the things that we've done in the pandemic. Yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. And then, I mean, that's extremely impressive, too, as well, like to having such a diverse team. And like, I no knock on other founders and companies, but like the, the assumption is that the diverse teams usually don't come with such a deep technical backed knowledge platform. And uh, y'all also bring that to as well. So yeah, that's a uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, people don't realize like where me and you met at B Dougie. Yeah, me and you spoke at a lesbians who tech panel together. 
Right. That like, is true. Years ago, yeah. Years ago. You know, and it's like because we just understood the 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 power of creating these safe spaces. And I think for, for me, Ali, like the biggest thing that we can do is 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 show that yeah, you can be a founder of color and be technical. Like you can do all of this and be excellent. Like we're not we're we're doing something that I don't think even the big companies aren't aren't able to do, right? And like it's it's a combination of all of our experiences and Really, that's the thing that separates us from everybody else is that, like, Ali doesn't like to thump his chest much, but, I mean, the the, the Heroku Kafka offering was doing billions of events a minute for tens of thousands of Kafka clusters, for thousands of customers, five nines for years, and the height of the, the resourcing was six people, right? Like, to do that, you need to be, you know, on your stuff, right? You yeah. need to know how to do this, right? And so... That's really the the thing where it's like, all right, and then you have me on the other side that's like the developer experience guy. And really, you know, if you look at all the things that we've done together, we've really started, basically figured out a way, you know, between us and our teams, the way that developers should be writing software for years, right? Like, you can't go to, to anybody and, and they not say, yo, where's the Heroku 4X, right? And that's really, you know, the ethos that, that, that we've, you know, kind of ingrained in our team. So I know that, you know, uh, it, it's, it's tough and there's, you know, some random ML engineer at some big company that's like, man, I want to go start a startup and, and do something. But like open source is, is a great way to get started. Like build your expertise up and then, you know, take those ideas and try to commercialize them at some point. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, if, if y'all are listening and you haven't like already signed up to, to use this product or signed up to uh, to apply for our open role, um, <laughs> y'all need to get on this right now. Appreciate that. I, I'm excited. I'm about to apply for one of your jobs right now. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Excellent. Yeah. So I, I did want to round up the conversation on, on Maroxa now uh, and transition us to picks. I do appreciate y'all sharing, sharing the vision and the product. I'm confident folks are probably reaching out and probably starting to install the stuff and um, check out the open source repos. Uh, but Jam picks, these are things that we're jamming on. So it could be music, food, tech related, like all is relevant. And my first pick is PostHog. I haven't really used Google Analytics for like a minute. Mm. And I know there's been issues with GDPR and like, how do you do that with Google Analytics? And I think mostly that's just not possible. So PostHog is, I, I don't need analytics to be quite honest. What I want to know is like what onboarding looks like for people that use my platform. Like what happens after you logged in? Like how many folks like, as you know, starting up a, a company and, and running this for a couple of years, like you got to know what the conversion looks like. So, how many people, how many monthly active users, daily active users? So, that was like all stuff I've done like six, seven years ago. I set up in platforms, but like it was a whole like mix panel was like the go to I think at that time. Yeah. But yeah. PostHog, um, it's open sourced. It was a YC back company as well, and uh, they're providing all that stuff. But also, you get to export and walk away with your data as well. That's what really had me interested in this. And the reason for that is the product I'm working on, which everybody who's listening has heard that I've been working on open source for a while. At the time of the you listening to this, I'll be working on open source full time. So stepping away from my role at GitHub in the next couple of weeks. So when you, you listen to this on your your iPod or I don't know if people have iPods, iPhone. iPod, I was about to say, man, when you, when you bring out your Motorola Razor. I mean, honestly, the, the way the kids are dressing today and like the people are bringing out the old school stuff. The old, like I saw Microsoft Zune not too long ago that's on true. Twitter. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so I've got this this product. Uh, I partnered with the, the founder of GetSense, who's also been a, a guest on the show. Uh, so we're going to co-found this uh, open source together. And if you check out opensource.getsense.com, 
that is our data. So like we've been basically indexing GitHub projects and going to provide insights for folks and kind of that that's part of the reason people keep reaching out to me to talk to you uh, because it sounds like we could probably uh leverage some of your your tooling. Oh, that's pretty dope, man. Yeah, I w- I would like to say uh things that that I've picked uh recently, man. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday, but that Kendrick Lamar uh, video that came out. Oh, uh, no, I didn't. I was, yeah, did not see that. He has a new album that's coming out May 13th. this Friday. It's called uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. That is something that I am very, very interested in. And then not to, you know, I don't really have a lot of time. So my time is mostly dedicated to the conduit ecosystem. And these days, so my, my pick is, is definitely conduit and, and writing connectors. Like that's all we do, man, is, is, is just try to find ways that we can write connectors for, for, for things. So if you check it out, conduit.io, C-O-N-D-U-I-T.io. Uh, yeah, man, that, that's really what it is and trying to help grow this thing. Excellent. Yeah, I'm definitely checking that out after we get to jump off this call. Ali, you got picks for us? Yeah, just one of the things that I've been sort of playing around with recently is Lightstream. I think it was like uh, made the front page on on Hacker News, but it's an interesting idea because I feel like uh, if anyone, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically building on top of uh, SQLite and turning it into like a reliable data store with like replication through blob storage. I just think it's it's kind of uh, refreshing to see like a a sort of uh, one eighty degree turn away from like a bigger and more powerful, more elaborate, more distributed systems. It kind of takes it back to like SQLite is about as simple as you can get in terms of you know lightweight databases. It seems like a, a an interesting approach to take something so simple and then you know try to make it reliable and and kind of gear it up towards more enterprise usage. I just think it's it's kind of a cool a cool approach. Um, so yeah, I've been playing around with that. That's super super fun. Yeah, maybe more of a a general category, but um, you know. For us, our our development environment is is pretty elaborate, and it's kind of like a a beast to deal with because for a developer, they basically have to stand up two Kubernetes clusters um, and a bunch of other systems. And so, you know, looking into these tools where you have these hosted developer environments, you know, we we've been working with a YC startup called uh, Nimbus. So I think their, their website is use usenimbus.com, uh, but there is a bunch of other ones. What was the one that? We spoke to Devars. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Oh, Octito. Yeah, Octito, Octeto. Yeah, Octeto, Octito, O-K-T-E-T-O. Yeah, these products are are amazing. I think, especially now, as as applications are getting much more elaborate, you know, you're kind of going deep on uh, microservices and all these other dependencies. That developer experience is beginning to to suck pretty bad, and so these tools kind of rein it in and make it make it sane again. And that's obviously, you know, we we kind of pitch ourselves as as a developer experience company. You know, that's what we're trying to kind of uh, deliver is, is a better developer experience. Um, so yeah, I like, I like these these tools, and I think it's it's awesome to see this push towards you know kind of bringing sanity back to developer experience. Yeah, dude, I forgot I forgot the the other thing that I was checking out too, man. Uh, Charm Charm Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, shout out shout out to Toby and Christian and and the Fig guys, right? Like mm. there, there's been this renaissance on the CLI that I think is really, really, really dope uh, for two reasons. One, because I, I learned on MS-DOS back in the day. I don't know, like, <laughs> like, like, you know, just trying to like run these full-featured apps and having to know commands to do so. 
Uh, even my mom knew MS-DOS commands, right? Like, like the terminal was a thing and then it just went away. And then like now it's starting to come back. And I, and I think, you know, as developers who spend most of our time in the terminal, that's something that's like, yo, it's, it's pretty cool to, to, to see people actually building tools mm-hmm. for us to build these better experiences. So, yeah, I, I forgot about that until Ali said uh, uh, the Octeto guys. And I'm like, oh, man, yeah, charm. And uh, and fig, yeah, I dig those. Yeah, I, I do like these, uh, like the terminal tools and like these services to kind of bring like like Heroku had a very good developer experience, like where everybody kind of knew the patterns of how to deploy and, and manage your your deployment even in production. Yeah, and I like that now we're bringing that to things like Kafka and things, and all these other services that I just haven't had time to learn because again I've been so yeah. far removed working in JavaScript that when I need to go reach for something, it's like ah. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> you aren't alone, man. You aren't yeah, alone. There's definitely a pattern. That's why we're here. Yeah. We're here to help. Excellent. Yeah, so appreciate the help and in, in, in talking through this. Yeah. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 